Hi, I'm Taylor Burgess, lead pastor of Cross Community, and I want to welcome you to Cross Community Church online. Throughout this COVID-19 season, our church family is going to be gathering together every single week online for worship, and we're really grateful that you've chosen to join in with us today. For those of you who are watching on social media, there's three really important links that are connected to this video. The first is our online Next Steps form. This is important because it's the number one way that we like to be connected to our church family. So if you're interested, even if you just are watching online or not regularly part of our church family, you could go there, fill out your information, learn more about how to get connected within the Cross Community family, and also share with us any prayer requests that you have and our staff and prayer team come around those every single week. We've also linked our church's COVID-19 response form and impact form. If you or your family have been adversely impacted by COVID-19 in any way, our church family stands ready to serve you to the very best of our capacity. So if you fill out that impact form, that goes to our COVID-19 response team, and we're prepared uh, to serve you to the very best of our ability. We want to do everything we can to communicate to our church family and to our community. We are still here for you, and that is not changing throughout this season. Last, we've also given the link to our online giving. We're incredibly grateful for your faithful generosity to our church family throughout this season. And understand, as we give here as a local church, we're not just giving to the ministry of our local church, we're giving to other ministries as well. A portion of our giving goes to support local parachurch ministries like Beaufort Young Life, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, Radiance Women's Center. And as a church family, we also fully fund and operate a food bank out of St. Helena Elementary School, which is continuing to operate during this season. So just know that your giving to our church family is not just about what we're doing as a local church, but also how we are working to serve our community during a significant time of need. Last, I want to invite you next week, Easter Sunday, to Easter at the Highway 21 drive-in. We're incredibly excited about this, and here's a few basic details for that day. First, as you come onto the property, understand that we will not be handing you anything, and we're asking you to not hand us anything. We want to do everything that we can to mitigate any concerns there might be surrounding the spread of coronavirus. So as you come for the 9 o'clock or the 11:15 service, you are simply going to drive onto the property, park, tune in your radio. The preaching will be live, the music will be live, but all of the audio is going to come in directly through your radio. This week, you can go to a website that we've designed uh, called easteratthedrivein.org, and everything that you're going to need for, cro for cross-community worship on Easter Sunday is going to be on that website. So I encourage you to bring a mobile device with you uh, as you come that day. But look forward to seeing you next week, Easter Sunday, and glad to have you here for worship with us today. Let's worship together as a church family. Oh, guys, welcome to worship with us today, wherever uh, you may be. Uh, before we get started, go ahead and uh, grab your Bible and get that ready for later here in the service. But uh, right now, we're going to start here in Psalm 9. Uh, read this with me. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. Amen. We worship him today.
of sinners. Grant your people grace to love what you command and desire what you promise, that among the swift and varied changes of our world, our hearts may surely there be fixed where true joys are to be found. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to continue on in worship as we go through our catechism. I'm going to read the question, and you guys at home, just repeat the answer back with me. Did God create us unable to keep his law? No, but because of the disobedience of our first parents, Adam and Eve, all of creation is fallen. We are all born in sin and guilt, corrupt in our nature, and unable to keep God's law. And this is coming from Romans 5.12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sinned. So we see clearly from Scripture that God, when he created us, created us good. We can go to Genesis, and we see that uh, laid right out before us. But man chose to reject God's goodness. Uh, God didn't create robots. He created free will agents that could choose to reject him, and we did. And through Adam and Eve, that sin has just trickled down through all of history. We know this. We look out across humanity and we see it. I see it in my children. I, don't, I never had to teach my boys to hurt one another or dis- disrespect their parents. It never happened. Uh, I didn't have to teach that. That just came ingrained. They were hardwired that way. What I did have to teach and do have to teach continually uh, for them and for me is to show them how to follow after Christ how to follow the best way to follow after him. And the beautiful picture that we see here is, although we can't keep the law, Christ can, and Christ did uh, for us on our behalf. Um, He was perfect before the Lord. He fulfilled the the whole law before God Almighty. And in that that perfect life, uh, we find rescue. That's the beautiful picture of the gospel. Christ lives the life that we couldn't live. Um, that, that way, his sacrifice is perfect for us. Um, therefore, when we are covered by his blood, when we have placed our faith, our trust in him, our lives, that he promises 100% to cover us completely. We stand before the, the Father as if Christ is standing there, per- 
perfect. And this is a beautiful picture of the gospel. That's the one that we relish in, and that's why we can worship today, even as odd as it is, sitting here talking to a camera, knowing that you guys are sitting uh, in your living rooms, uh, that we are still worshiping the same God right now. And let us continue to do that. In the fire and the 
truth uh, to rest in uh, today that our God is in control. Uh, Right now, I want you uh, to take your Bibles that you've got and open up to Matthew 7, 24 through 27. And today, I just want to challenge you at your home. Uh, Maybe you're with your family, with your uh, spouse, or maybe you're just by yourself. Uh, But read uh, this scripture, Matthew 7, 24 through 27, and pray. Pray expectingly uh, that the Lord is going to speak to us today. jump into Matthew chapter 7 here for just a few minutes. Um, A few years ago when our family moved into the house that we live in, uh, the house didn't have gutters on it. And we knew that that's something that we wanted to eventually do because with a lot of the heavy rains that we get here in the low country, we wanted to do everything we could to protect and guard the foundation of our house. But uh, we didn't do it right away when we first moved into our house, but I didn't want to leave it just uh, totally exposed. So I went around uh, the outside of our house and put down some rock, also put down um, some mulch. And for the first few months, it all held up really well. We had a a few light rains and uh, nothing really shifted in the mulch beds, almost to the point that I thought, hey, maybe we'll be okay uh, without the gutters. But sure enough, we got into the spring. We had back-to-back months of really heavy rain. uh, And with every single rain, the the mulch got pushed away a little bit further and a little bit more of the foundation was revealed. And so ultimately decided, hey, we need to put gutters uh, on the house. So when we got to the place last year, we were ready to do it. We also had a few other things that we needed to do. Uh, we were really overdue for uh, needing to get a new couch. And then our boys who were, you know, had been little, they were growing up and were outgrowing some of their furniture. And so we needed to upgrade some of their stuff as well. Uh, but ultimately we gave priority to the gutters because as nice as it is to have a couch to sit on, it's better to have a house that doesn't sit on you. Uh, we wanted to make sure we took care of the foundation. And so ultimately we decided the number one priority was the gutter. And uh, over um, the last few weeks, uh, the church has itself experienced storms. The rain has been falling and the flood has been rising and the winds have been blowing. And for better or for worse, in the weeks and months ahead, our foundations are going to be revealed and our priorities are going to be exposed. And Jesus calls our attention to foundations here in Matthew chapter 7. He talks about the importance of building 
the, our lives and, and, and by virtue of that, building the church on the right foundations and leading us to see that every other foundation that we would build our lives upon that's not him is ultimately something that's gonna lead to our downfall and to our destruction. So a few weeks ago, we started this impromptu message series just to press into this season and what the Lord's doing called All We Need, where we're seeing that God has given us all we need to endure this season because he's given us Jesus, he's given us his word, and he's given us each other. So last week, we saw how Jesus is our everything. And those who believe that Jesus is their everything live lives that are marked by unconditional surrender, by radical generosity, and by a desperate dependency on him. And today what we're gonna see is that God has given us his word as all we need as the foundation that builds up the church. And unlike my house, his foundation doesn't need gutters. It needs no extra protection. It needs no more guarding. It's fully capable to sustain the church on its own. And what Jesus shows us here, Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, is that those who build their lives on his word will never fall, but those who build on the world will always fall. Jesus Christ is our sure and firm foundation, and anything else that we try to build our lives on, anything else we try to build the church on, is ultimately something that's gonna lead to our destruction. So here's what Jesus says in Matthew 7, verse 24. He says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them, will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Our time together is gonna be a little bit short because we got something very special that we wanna do together here in just a few moments. But there's three very basic truths that Jesus reveals to us through his words here in Matthew chapter seven. The first is that the word proclaims sound instruction. God's word proclaims sound instruction. This is a really short parable that comes at the very end of the Sermon on the Mount, which started back in Matthew chapter five. And, and Jesus does such a great job here breaking things down Barney style for us with this illustration that it's really not something that requires a, a whole lot of explanation. I mean, this is such a simple illustration that Jesus gives that we've, we've turned it into a kid's song. And so probably many of us grew up singing this song about the wise man and the foolish man. What's, what's the wise man do? He, he builds his house on the rock. And what's the foolish man do? He builds his house on the sand. And then what happens? The rains come down and the floods come up. And then the rains go down and the floods come up and then the rains go down and the floods come up. And what happens to the house on the rock? It stood firm. But what happens to the house built on sand? My kid's favorite part, splat, it falls. And Jesus says, great was the fall of it. It's simple. His word is sound instruction. If we build our lives on the foundation of his word, we will stand. If we don't build our lives on the foundation of his word, will fall. The wise person receives it and the foolish person rejects it. Jesus goes on to say in, in verse 25, he says, be like the wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. So the word proclaims sound instruction. And second, the word provides a strong foundation. A couple of weeks ago, Michael Kruger had a great article uh, titled, How a You-Do-You Culture Has Made Us Vulnerable to the Coronavirus. If you think about this, uh, the broader culture over the last decade, the, the prevailing messages have been uh, that you can live your own truth. You are the ultimate standard of right and wrong, so if it seems right, if it feels right, if it sounds right, then go for it, and nobody can tell you what to do. But this is how he, he addresses this in this article. He says, nothing tests the validity of a worldview like tragedy and suffering. And the coronavirus, as awful and terrible as it is, has done at least one good thing. Namely, it has exposed our culture's commitment to relativism for what it really is, an utterly unworkable and unsustainable worldview. Over the past couple of weeks, we've proven as a culture that we know relativism doesn't work because suddenly we know that it is good and right and true to ask everyone to adhere to strict moral standards out of love for their neighbor. And we, we understand, we, we've seen this play out over the last couple of weeks, those who decided that they're gonna do what they wanna do. We've, we've seen a lot of the, the news clips and the video clips, the response of, of those who are going to the beach and they're still partying and they're still going to bars and going against every piece of conventional wisdom that's being put out. What are the responses? Well, if I get it, then I get it. And it's, well, I, I planned this trip months ago. I don't care what's happening. I don't care what's going on. I'm going to do this. But here is the reality. If you build your life on relativism, it's sinking sand. You cannot build the foundation, you can't build your life on a foundation that's constantly shifting and constantly moving, and that's exactly what relativism is for us. And here's Jesus saying in Matthew 7, listen, I am a sure foundation. 
I'm a rock that doesn't move. And on me, you can confidently build your life. On Jesus, we can confidently build the church. We cannot say it enough during this season. The foundation of the church is not the construction of our buildings. The foundation of the church is not the production of our worship services. The foundation of the church is the word of God given to us through Jesus Christ. That's why we sing as a people on Christ the solid rock I stand. How much other ground is sinking sand? All of it. The wise man builds his house on the rock. The foolish man builds his house on the sand. We build our lives, we build the church on the foundation of the word of God because it's guaranteed that it will never move. Our God is immutable. He says in his word, I, the Lord, do not change. And so we can rest in his constant ability to, to hold us up free of any additional help from us. On Christ the solid rock we stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Jesus says as much here in verses 26 and 27. He says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. So the word proclaims sound instruction. It provides a strong foundation. And third, it promises our sure salvation. There's a warning and a promise that's given to us here in verses 26 and 27. The promise is if we will build our lives in the foundation of Jesus Christ, we'll stand. He'll carry us. It's strong. It's immovable. It's not going anywhere. It's a sure bedrock for our lives. But the warning is if we don't build our lives on this, it's foolish. That's unwise. And ultimately, it's going to lead to our collapse. If we, if we ignore the words of Jesus, it's something that we do to our own peril. We have to understand our, our faith cannot be built on the foundation of our own good works. Our faith cannot be built on a foundation of family heritage. It can't be built on political affiliation. It can't be built on our own moral purity. It can only be built on the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ. Understand, the Christian is not someone who says, look at all that I do for God. The Christian is the person who says, look at what Christ has done for me. And that's what's revealed to us in the Word. The Word of God has not just been given to us to instruct us about what to do, but to reveal to us what Jesus has done. This is what sets our faith apart from every other religious system, is that it's declaring something that's been accomplished for us. It's news. It's not prescriptive telling us what to do. It's descriptive telling us what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. God's Word reveals to us the truth of who He is. It reveals the truth about who we are. It reveals the truth about what his son Jesus has, has been done for us. And it reveals ultimately to us the new kingdom way that's been ushered in through Jesus Christ. And this is exactly what we find in the Sermon on the Mount. The, the Sermon on the Mount by every measurable objective here in Matthew 5 through 7 is the most influential sermon in human history. It's some of the most influential language at all of recorded human history. Abhijit Naskar is a, a globally renowned neuroscientist and philosopher, and he said recently, the influence of the Sermon on the Mount is truly past reckoning. Any rational human being with a conscientious mind is bound to be influenced by its exuberant content, regardless of religious background. The words of Jesus spoken here are so universally transcendent because so much of what Jesus says is completely countercultural to what we hold dear. R. Stanley Jones, in a very similar way in his work, The Christ on, Christ on the Mount, has said the Sermon on the Mount in some ways seems dangerous. It challenges the whole underlying conception on which modern society is built. It would replace it by a new conception, animate it with a new motive, and turn it toward a new goal. In three brief chapters, in Matthew 5 through 7, Jesus demolishes every superficial foundation that we might use to prop up our lives or the church. The Sermon on the Mount is the greatest, most influential sermon of all time, and it's not even close. And in these last few weeks, we have seen that God has given all we need to continue driving forward the mission of his church by giving us Jesus, by giving us his word, and giving us each other. And so right now as a church family, we're going to put our money where our mouth is. We, we as a church family a few weeks ago looked at what it is that we believe about the word of God and I shared that day that I, I fully believe one of the great tragedies of our day is that we see the Bible primarily as a book to be read and not primarily as a voice to be heard. These are the words of God, not just spoken to some people millennia ago. This is what God is still speaking to us today. 
And I just believe with all of my heart that we're in a season as individual followers of Jesus, we're in a season as a church where the Lord is working to get our attention. He's brought us to a screeching halt and it's just time for us once and for all to sit down and listen to what it is God has to say through his word. So this is what we're gonna do with the rest of our time together. For the rest of our time together, we're going to read the Sermon on the Mount in its entirety. We wanna put our money where our mouth is. If we believe that Jesus and his word are enough to drive forward the mission of the church, what we wanna do is humble ourselves and sit under what it is that Jesus would have to speak to us today. Because I, I, I think I as a pastor, I think all of us as individual followers of Jesus, we have to recognize what he has to say to us is far more important than anything I have to say or anything that we have to say to each other. What is it that Jesus is speaking to us today? So over these next few minutes, what we're gonna do is have three different readers who are each gonna read through one chapter of the Sermon on the Mount. So these words are not gonna be on the screen in front of you. So what I encourage you to do is to either just sit and maybe just close your eyes and process and listen as these words are being read. Uh, we'll be reading from the English Standard uh, Version of, of the Bible. So um, you could open up and read and follow along with us. But Matthew 5 uh, through 7 is what we're gonna read. And at the end of each chapter, uh, there's gonna be a brief pause and we're gonna simply uh, contemplate what it is that was just read, process for a moment, pray on your own, and then the next reader will come up with the next chapter. But let's open our hearts and minds to hear what Jesus is speaking to us through his word today. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court. Lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. 
if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than, uh, than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say but I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife except on the ground of sexual immorality makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard it was said of those, to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say simply, yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what rewards do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. This is the word of God and let us reflect on what he is speaking to us right now. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret and your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then, like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. 
your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow was thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This is the word of the Lord. Let us be still and reflect on it. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye 
and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give you good things to those who ask him? So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell and great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. This is the word of the Lord. Let's take a moment to reflect on what God is teaching us today. So within the span of just a few minutes, Jesus takes our entire world and he flips it upside down. It all started all the way back in verse one when he opened his mouth and he said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Those words poor in spirit, Jesus is talking to those who know that they are morally and spiritually bankrupt. The kingdom of heaven is for the people who know they don't deserve it, who know that they have absolutely nothing that they can bring to the table, who recognize that any other home that we try to build on this life that's not built on the word and the rock of who Jesus is, is something that in the end is going to collapse. Here's the good news of the gospel, is that God knows where we are. 
He knows that we don't have the resources to lay the foundation that we need to uphold the structure of our lives. He knows that every single one of us is on the verge of collapsing. But when we do collapse, what we land on is a rock. We land on the sure foundation of who God is and what he's done for us through his son, Jesus Christ. It's the great German pastor and prophet, spy, martyr, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who said several decades ago that the renewal of the church will come from a new type of monasticism, which only has in common with the old an uncompromising allegiance to the Sermon on the Mount. It is high time people banded together to do this. He said this several decades ago. So I think it's more pressing today now than ever that we truly, as the people of God, we band together to do this. Jesus says here in his word, those who hear these words of mine and don't just hear them, but do them. That is deep faith. So much of what we talk about today in our culture, so many of what, what, what many of us think causes us to have deep faith has to do with how much Bible we know. But here's Jesus showing, no, it's, it's how much you live. We, we cannot say that we've truly learned this word until we're living this word. Church, I believe from the very bottom of my heart, I believe with everything that I am right now, within my generation, decades from now, we will look back on the year 2020 and it will become clear that this was the year when religion broke down and revival broke out. And he asked the question, how are we gonna know that it's happened? It's when we look around and we see each other and we're living Matthew 5 through 7. When they're no longer words that we're reading on a page, they're actions that we're living with our lives. Jesus has demolished everything that we hold dear through the words of these three chapters in terms of what we think is success in terms of what we think is power, in terms of what we think is strength. And Jesus shows us deep faith is not about how much Bible you know. It's about the last enemy that you loved. It's about the last persecutor that you prayed for. It's about the last time we fasted. It's about the last time we prayed. It's the last time we held, withheld judgment from someone else. It's about the last time we treated someone else the way we want to be treated. It's about the last time we declared the works of Christ above our own works. It's about the last time we chose to not brag about ourselves because of some great religious work we'd done. That's deep faith, according to Jesus. And so what we're gonna do here is we're gonna get on our knees and we're gonna pray that we as a church will live out these words, that Matthew 5 through 7 will come to life, not just in our lives or in our local church, but in the Big C Church, all over our world right now is that our world would see a new kingdom way, the new way that's been ushered in by Jesus and that's made known through his people so that we could see the supernatural deeds and works of God be renewed once again in our time through the lives of his people. So let's, wherever you are from home, we're gonna do this together here, the few of us who are in this room today. Let's get on our knees and ask the Lord that we would be people who don't just hear his word, but do his word so that his kingdom would be on display in our world. Father, we come to you and we ask once again, just in a desperate dependency, will you through this season move? God, you've, you've brought us to our knees in more ways than one and help us to realize as we're here finally on our knees that we're finally hitting the foundation that we need. We thank you that you are a sure and strong foundation. We thank you that we can hang the hopes of our soul on the promises of your word that you are sovereign, that you can take what the enemy means for evil and you can use it for good. Father, we recognize in these last few weeks that the enemy has thrown a sucker punch at your church and one that many, in many ways we were simply not ready for. But in spite of that, Father, we, we proclaim and we claim as a church family the victory of Jesus Christ. We claim the promise of your word that you will soon crush the head of the enemy under our feet as we declare in boldness the victory of your son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. Father, will you infuse us with new life by the power of your Holy Spirit, that we would be people who obey your word as you've shown it to us, 
Father, don't let us be people who just hear the word. Father, so many of us, I know in my, my own life, for, 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 for my heart and what's going on within, within my soul, Lord, there's, there's so much that I hear and there's so much that I know and there's so much that I think I truly believe. Father, don't let us measure the depth of our faith but by, from what we know, but by how we live. Lord, help us all just to take an honest examination of our hearts today to lay before you what you already know to be true. So Father, will you take broken, wounded hearts today, the poor in spirit, and help us to anchor our hope to the promise that we will inherit the kingdom. And we pray boldly in faith as you taught us to pray for your kingdom to come, for your will to be done right here on earth, just the way it is in heaven and that the fullness of the power of your kingdom would be displayed through your church as we press into your word, as we seek to make you known in our world. Holy Spirit, guide us, protect us, lead us. Plant these words in our heart that we could live them with our lives. Make the love and the hope of Jesus Christ be known in our world today. We ask all these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. sing as we close our time of worship together today.
keeper You're the one who holds all things together You're the first, you're the last, you're forever You're the one who brings spring out of winter You're the promise and you are the keeper You're the one who holds all things together Together, together Amen. Well, church family, it has been so good to worship with you as always. Just a few quick things as we wrap up our time together today. Don't forget that online Next Steps card is available with this video. This is important because it remains the number one way we communicate with you throughout the week as a church family. Even if you've just been joining us online the last few weeks, you've not physically visited with our church family, that is a great way just to learn about how you can get connected within our church family. Uh, particularly as things go back to normal. But through this season, our, our staff remains fully available, accessible, eager, and willing and ready to serve you. Um, also available here is our COVID-19 impact form. If you, someone in your family, you've been adversely impacted by everything that's happened over the last few weeks, again, we're here and we're ready to serve you to the very best of our ability. We have a COVID-19 response team uh, that's prepared to, to jump in in a pinch, in a hurry, uh, and help in any way that they can. Um, and I, I just want to just, just, man, celebrate as a church family how eager so many of you have been uh, to just jump in and serve and make yourselves available over the last couple of weeks. So just know we have gone nowhere. We are here, we're ready, and we're willing to serve and eager and available to serve uh, however that's needed. And last, uh, we've made the online giving link available as well. Thank you so much, church family, just for your continued faithfulness and generosity through this season. We said last week that we believe, G people who, who believe that Jesus is their everything have lived lives marked by radical generosity, uh, and you have absolutely lived that out. Uh, and then last but not least, Easter at the drive-in next Sunday. Uh, so excited to see you there. April 12th, it's Easter Sunday, uh, 9 o'clock, 11.15. Uh, gates will open 30 minutes before. Come in, park, stay in your car, listen to the service, just be in prayer this week. want to share the gospel, reach as many people as we possibly can uh, in our community through that event. So let's say together, as always, our banner verse from Psalm 45, 17, and then we'll sing together as we close. I will cause your name to be remembered in all generations. Therefore, nations will praise you forever and ever. Amen. Let's sing. bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Guys, we love you so much and we will worship with you next week at the drive-in. We'll see you there. Bye.